0: just go to cars.com. It's magical.
1: You're listening to I Hate the Fins. Hi, everyone. My name is Keith. I'm joined by my co-host, Zach. Uh, so we're running way behind in terms of our usual schedule. I haven't even posted our show for the Dolphins week uh, two and three performances. Uh, I've been sick. So much so that uh, I ended up going and getting a uh, COVID test on Thursday. It was it was that bad. It's usually I get allergies this time of year. So that's nothing new. But I, I was definitely feeling it to the point where I, I just wanted to be safe. So <clears throat> I felt like I've I'm getting better now, but I felt like trash last week. So that's my excuse. We make excuses on this show better than anyone as far as I'm concerned. So we're running behind. Sorry about that. But the good news is we're still here to talk about what went down today. Another Dolphins loss. Zach, I haven't seen you this pissed off about a Dolphins performance in a while, I think.
2: I'm not. I wasn't necessarily pissed. It's just aggravating again. It's just like those little things. And I mean, mostly the the aggravation and the aggravation is ramped up by having Tua sitting in the background. But like Fitz was like. Terrible today, and and not just like typical Fitz tragic. Like he he was asked to read one half the field, and was still throwing into like blatant double coverages and stuff like that. Like it was bad. And then they get into the red zone, and like Fitz couldn't do anything. Um, to the point where that final drive that they put together, where they went down the the field and they got into the red zone. The only reason they scored is because they you know went five wide and it was a designed quarterback keeper when like your quarterback cannot get it done with his arm in the end zone to the point where you're having a 37 year old dude with designed quarterback draws to score touchdowns. Like you're in bad shape. So Fitz Fitz was just aggravating today. He just did not do anything. It was painful to watch.
1: Yeah. He pisses me off regularly. I think, um, I ex- I have low expectations for him though. I mean, I've he's played for almost every team in the N or in the AFC East, yeah. You know, and and he's played for several other teams as well. And you know what you're gonna get with that dude. I mean, one week he's he's your hero, he's your savior, and the next week he's just gonna kick you square in the nuts. Yeah, and, I mean, but I mean,
2: then, I the thing but, is, is like I don't have expectations for him or anything. Like he he is fits, sure. but like. It's just the thing where, um, and again, I think we'll continue to have this conversation of the initial concern was like, will the offensive line hold up? The offensive line has been much better than expected this year. Um, except for Ted, Ted pissed me off today too. He was terrible as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I forgot Um, about that.
2: Um, but like, that's, that's going. So like, what is Fitz doing unless Tua doesn't know the playbook yet that like Tua couldn't do and probably give you a little hope that he could at least do better. Um, yes. Tua cannot create separation for wide receivers. They got to do that themselves. Um, you know, maybe he can throw with a little bit more anticipation and, and help him out that way. Um, and of course he can't play in the secondary. He's not going to do any help there, but like as far as the quarterback play goes at this point, what the hell's the difference between what you're getting between fits and what you could possibly get from Tua um you know if if they're just scared to play him because they're worried about him getting injured once they throw him out there like we've got a bigger problem in the grand scheme of things then
1: yeah looks like Fitz has taken a beating a lot, a lot of people are pissed off at at agbonagni uh, so you know he had a rough day but i mean he's a kid I and mean, he's going to have games like that
2: Yeah, like Igbo, like Igbo's biggest thing is he gets his eyes caught in the backfield too much. So like at the end of the day, he's blown a few coverages, but like I think he's 20 straight up. Like he may be easily one of the top five youngest players in the NFL. Um, And like the game plan wasn't for him to play outside corner versus strong number twos and potentially number one wide receivers this year. Like, everybody, the conversation we all had leading up to this season is that Igbo's going to play the nickel, um, and, you know, they'll they'll flip him inside out at some points, depending on the situation, but he got tossed into it. So, you know, he's just not ready to play yet, and that's all there is to it.
1: Uh, Um, Hmm. So I think if you're trying to keep everything in, in focus right now the dolphins if you want to call it a window of contention really doesn't open until next year in my opinion anyway it's 2021 we've we've always said that like ad nauseum the window for their current cap structure of course starts the moment Tua puts his pen to paper essentially because that's how they're paying all these guys on the defensive side of the ball a lot of money yeah, and I mean, and they managed to draft all of their offensive all of their big name offensive linemen outside of <clears throat> Karis, your your bestie. So, um, the way they've got it going on right now, it's only frustrating for me with Fitz because you know that you have something that should be much, much better waiting in the wings. You just don't know when you're gonna get a look at it. Like no one seems to have the right idea or the, the thought in terms of when we're going to see Tua. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And you, you made the case a couple of weeks ago that the initial argument for not playing him was that the offensive line is in my Miami for decades has been historically shitty and you don't want to get him killed. But the thing is, is, I mean, we're at a point now where they typically it's a fairly sturdy unit. So, I mean, that argument really doesn't even hold water. And it's more about <clears throat> uh, crushing his soul by putting him out there too early.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, we've, we've talked about that. And I think we've kind of gone through that scenario at this point. So, at this point, you all just got to wait. When it happens, it happens. Um, you know, we'll be just as anxious as you guys. Um, you know, I, I mean... At the end of the day, it's it's fine if they don't even, you know, I can't imagine that they Mahomes him and he sits this whole year. I think he, it, worst case scenario, you see a situation closer to Lamar, where Lamar came in with the last, what, six or eight games left. Um, I think that's going to be worst case scenario. But, I mean, Dolphins are one and three now, so how much longer do you go before you say, well, F it, we're falling too far behind, the win loss column here. We need to either try to get back in it or, you know, we're out of it. So we might as well get him some playing time.
1: The good news is the, the meal ticket they have in the Houston Texans Texans first round pick is looking pretty good right now because they went to zero for today.
2: They currently hold the third overall pick courtesy of the Houston Texans. So it goes Giants Jets Texans.
1: Hmm. Just in time for them to take your boy Gregory Russo.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, actually, if if anybody's really interested, um, Gregory Russo did a interview with um, Bucky and DJ on Move the Sticks recently, and he, mm-hmm. it was a really good interview. Like he spoke a lot more about technique and pass rush um, understanding and things that he's been educated on more than I saw in the film. So like, I'm actually a little bit more excited after hearing him talk about that kind of stuff. Um, So, I mean, I think if the dolphins have one pick in the top seven or eight, I think you're going to see them walk away with a really good player. Um, You know, that second pick is going to be a a question of where that lands
1: though. Mm -hmm. Are you worried about Trevor Lawrence landing in New York, because as long as Adam Gase is there, they are going to be the shittiest team in football.
2: Well, I mean, I can't imagine that Adam Gase survives this year. I mean, there was talk that he wasn't even going to make it past Thursday. Um,
1: so no, no, I like he's not going to make it the year this year, but I think that the even their brass in the front office is smart enough to know that keeping that guy around is probably their best bet in terms of landing Trevor Lawrence,
2: yeah. But I mean, like. Uh, even even if they get Lawrence, like, they're so far behind the rebuild ball here that, like, who do they have on their team that they've brought in the last two years that are that's worth anything? You know, C.J. Mosley, who hasn't played a snap for them. Uh, no. Uh, Avery, what's his name, the other linebacker, Avery Williamson? Is that his name? Yeah. He's solid. He's good. No cornerback still. Um, Pierre Desir has played relatively fine. Uh, but he's not an answer at cornerback for them at this point. they have not drafted... a good game on
1: Thursday night, but that's yeah, not it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've, they've drafted some safety help. Um, I think they also drafted our guy Bryce Hall, but he hasn't seen much play. Um, so their defense is yucky. Um, and that's after drafting a, a top five defensive lineman, you know, probably six out of the past 10 years. Um, so they got nothing on defense. Mackay Becton's trying to block every defensive player on his own, essentially. Um, yep. Other than that, uh, Connor McGovern's not too bad as a center, but like not a super sexy long-term option. Receiver-wise, they got Jamison Crowder, and like that's it. Herndon has taken a lot of steps back from his first few years where he was looking good. Um, so no wonder Sam can't get a damn thing done and is losing his mind, trying to be back there in the pocket for, you know, half a second without getting killed.
1: Yeah, and they're trying to get Makai Becton killed right now too, it looks like.
2: Yeah, because he's playing hurt.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think to answer your question there, if if you're coming in and taking over that mess, you look at the picks they made in, I guess you could say, 2019, 2020. And the fact that they have a load of picks based on what they got for Jamal Adams. So you're talking about that three year window, and you just go on from there. Because I, they are w- wasting Quinn and Williams' life. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Because he, he, I really like him a lot. I see him in New York. I'm like, oh man, it should be so much better for him. Uh, for, I think that, I mean, it, You know, if you finish with the number one pick, you have to take Trevor Lawrence, and then it turns into what are you going to do with Sam Darnold? Do you trade him for a bounty? Yeah. Even though a lot of a lot of teams do have what you'd consider a franchise guy, like Mm -hmm. would you trade him to Chicago or you know for or some team that doesn't have a franchise quarterback and desperately needs one? So um, Uh,
2: I would love to see. I would love to see Darnold um, get moved to Seattle. Play, play a few years behind Russ. Russ decides to retire. Like, Russ is having an outstanding career. Like, he doesn't need to play till he's 9,000 years old, like Tom Brady and some of those other guys. Um, you know, he retires to go enjoy his family and spend some time with his family. And then Sam Darnold's gotten to work with a, a good quarterback, sit for a little while, you know, kind of recover, and just takes over and rolls with Seattle. I'd, I'd love to see that.
1: I think Sam's talented. I think he's a gamer. I think he's playing for a, com- a clueless dickhead right now, who's going to get everyone killed and doesn't care. I mean, he's he's playing for the NFL's premier sociopath, as far as I'm convinced, outside of Bill Belichick. Yeah, I think that. I, I think like there's just a lot wrong. I've never seen a guy who is so, and it, this is Adam Gase. I've never seen a, a guy who is so good at alienating his running backs like Adam Gaze, like he pisses off everyone. And he's, again, we were talking about how he's wasting Quentin Williams, uh, time. He's also wasting Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is still like in premier shape. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean like for, even for a running back, you would say like, yeah, it probably passes his peak years. Cause I mean, that's such a small window for the, the running back position, but it, it shouldn't be that bad yeah. considering what he's put up.
2: Yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if they end up with um, Trevor Lawrence, like at the end of the day, who cares? Like the Dolphins have their guy, like it's time to roll. Um, You know, you can have that conversation four or five years down the line of who's in better shape. um, But as of right now, it doesn't matter if the Jets get Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, at least.
1: I think a lot of Jets fans are worried that he's going to pull an Eli.
2: (laughs) I mean, why not? I mean, essentially, the same thing happened to the Dolphins if, you know, Matt Moore doesn't come in. Because I remember when the Dolphins were losing games left and right and they were going to fall, you know, ass backwards into to Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Yeah, you know, Oliver Luck came out and said, like, well, if the Dolphins have the first pick, you know, Andrew's not going to go there. Which, like, screw Oliver Luck in the first place um, for a whole yeah, different a set of reasons.
1: A, that guy's a total dickhead.
2: <laughs> yeah, but so, I mean... <laughs> It could happen. Uh, we had that conversation about Burrow with the Bengals this year. I think uh, it's it's a conversation that's fun to have, but at the end of the day, I think dudes are going to go where they go for the most part.
1: Yeah, I, I'm curious to see it. Like, I think they've made some decent picks as of late. They, they definitely topped out in terms of return for Jamal Adams. They got way more for him than I thought they would. So, I mean, it only takes one team to make it happen for you. Yeah. I mckay Becton, I think, was, was an excellent pick. They can kind of build the rest of a, an offensive line, obviously. You mentioned the fact, like Pierre Desir, uh, great night against the Broncos. <clears throat> but, I mean, when, when you're talking about you need other guys in there. And they've been taking all of our, our draft dudes, like Ashton Davis.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: if we made a top 10 of our favorite draft guys, I think both of us would have had Ashton Davis and Bryce Hall. Mm-hmm. And they took both of them. Yep. So the nerve. <clears throat> All right. Uh, you want to talk about, uh, I'm just getting things out of the way here. I'm also trying to push through a little bit because uh, the new Shit's Creek episodes dropped on uh, Netflix. My wife's going to beat me to death if, I, <laughs> if this show runs long. Oh, so. you know,
2: you know who had a really good game today that I forgot to mention? Uh, Agba. Agba had a really good game today. He he did a really nice job setting the edge versus the run. Um, and then he had, uh, it looks like he's only getting credited for one sack, but I thought he had a sack and a half where he split with um, Siler as well. And Siler's had two good weeks as well.
1: Yeah, he's just. Um, it's weird. It's like almost like an ugly good. Mm hmm. Whenever I watch that dude play, I have become a big fan of his. we want to talk about college football for a little bit?
2: Yeah, th- there were some crazy games this week. Um, I feel like every week in college football is going to be crazy, though. Um, but I mean, uh, you can definitely talk about Florida. Like Florida's playing outrageously good right now.
1: I make the case that Kyle Trask might be the Heisman favorite. Oh, so
2: he's, God uh, bless us. Woof.
1: Right, no, I mean, what a world! But he, um, he looks good, uh, and also easy to look good because you think about all the the skill position guys they've they've brought in over the past few years, and now you're seeing sort of a, an I, I guess you'd say like an achievement in terms of where they're at with it. Like Kyle Pitts is just absolutely killing everyone right now.
2: Pitts, Pitts, and Tony. I mean, Tony's yeah. always been that guy that was like. The next um, in the line, they always have that Percy Harvin kind of guy, right? And he's yeah, definitely yep. the next in line. I think he had uh, he had two carries. I think in this game, usually they try to get him one or two um, like traditional running back type of carries. Uh, at least so far this season.
1: Well, it's working with Dan Mullen. I know that.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: no doubt. Since he's been there, and it's funny because a lot of people treated him like he was the the number three option because that was also when their fans were interested in Chip Kelly, and we Mm -hmm. laughed about that a lot.
2: Yeah, Chip
1: Kelly, and then uh, Scott Frost was the other name, and I mean Scott Frost was always going to go to Nebraska.
2: Yeah, yeah. So
1: of those three, I mean Dan Mullen. I mean he worked. I mean the last time the Gators won a national championship, you know he was he was in the fold there. So, um, the
2: the other game was, um, Texas is officially not back. We can check off another year. No, they're not them not being back. back. Um, and, and the crazy thing is like Ellinger played well, um, completion percentage was not super great, but like when he needed to make plays, like the dude made plays and that's pretty much what he does. Um, but yeah, I mean, TCU definitely got him, which I'm not surprised about. Um, because Max Duggan, their their young quarterback, has been like efficient and good. Um, and he also knows how to use his legs, so he makes it happen for
1: sure. You watched the Alabama game, didn't you?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's too many guys that are potential Dolphins not to watch that game. Um, but I mean, they they took it to Texas A and M. Like the fact that Texas A and M scored 24 points in the back end of the game. Doesn't even really explain to you how much they got their their behinds beat.
1: No, and like we were sitting here last week talking about how we for the life of us couldn't understand why Najee Harris didn't go pro mm-hmm. last year. I, I mean, I thought he was absolutely ready, but maybe the joke's on us because he looks like an absolute brick shithouse house right now running the football.
2: the The weird one for Alabama so far this season has been uh, our guy Devonta Smith, like. He, he has receptions, but like hasn't had a lot going on besides that nice back of the end zone touchdown this week. Um, but that's because Jalen Waddle is working like, uh, he had what 130 something in the first game versus Missouri, and then he has 142 and a touchdown, um, this past week. Um, but he's been unbelievable. And then, uh, the, the new young kid that's like the next in line is um John Mechie, I think his name is number eight. Yeah. Uh, but he had a crazy game versus AM, so.
1: That's a lofty number to wear if you're playing at Bama too, because that's Julio's number. Yeah. So yep. So I mean those are big shoes to fill. Um Jalen Waddle is probably gonna be the first receiver taken, I think. I, don't I think know. that the whole the whole I I think the um the Tyreek Hill uh, skill comparison, I think, is gonna have some teams salivating like Pavlov's dogs.
2: I think the better comparison for him is um, John Ross, but with like hands that actually I saw Yeah, you,
1: you are the one who said that. You said it's like watching John Ross play, but with actual hands
2: because like John, John Ross at um, Washington, like he'd get you over the top. But he'd get you with those same double moves that, like, that. that's what um, Waddle got them with this week was he did that that in route and then snapped it off as, like, an inside sluggo route and just demolished both the safety and the corner at the same time. Um, so, like, he's just got that straight line speed that when he goes, and that's why he's such a good kick returner, too, is, like, he sees green, and once he puts it in that sixth gear, like, it's over.
1: I'm trying to remember the exact play. It was um, Washington when they made the football playoff and they played Bama It was in the Peach Bowl, I think. Yeah. And Washington's first touchdown, I think Ross did something. He had like an outbreaking route in the end zone. Yeah. Um I'm trying to remember. But I mean, to your point, I mean, he's not just a, a nine route guy. Yeah. I mean, the, the hands, hands have been lacking. But I mean, there is a skill in there where he's able to manipulate guys within his initial stem.
2: Yeah. And, so. and I mean, like he's shown you some of the same stuff, like great example is when the dolphins were killed by uh, digs with those deep crossing patterns. Waddle does that stuff really well too. Um, but the the thing is, is he also has the ability that like you can run screens. There was a, a play, um, who ran it? I forget who ran it yesterday, but so um, one of the teams, let me scroll back through. It's a team that runs screens all the time. Why am I not remembering who this is? I don't know. It was a team that that did um, uh, two wide receivers to the right, flex tight end to the right, and then empty backside. And so they went and they faked the screen to the outside receiver, and the tight end just ran a seam route, and they just dropped it in there perfectly because they were getting caught on screens and giving up you know, five, eight, 15 yards on screens all day long that when they finally went to the tight end, it was, it was a walk-in touchdown. And like, all I could think about was like, if the dolphins have a Jalen Waddle, Rondale Moore, anybody that has screen and yards after catch ability, like Gasecki is going to catch so many seam balls because people are going to be so scared of giving up those like eight yard screen, 11 yard screen. 15 yard screen like and just getting beat by that shit all the time
1: (laughs) anything else about uh, what went down yesterday it was an interesting day for college football for sure
2: um georgia auburn wasn't as close as i thought um especially since georgia like is on their third string guy that started at georgia as a walk-on went to a, a juco school came back with a scholarship like crazy crazy story for um uh Stetson Benson Bennett Stetson Benson very Georgia uh Harvard of the South kind of name um oh yeah Oklahoma lost um so that's that's a thing they lost in back-to-back weeks probably for the first time in God knows how long um Spencer Rattler's is good but like he he just doesn't have the mental aspect of the game down yet, um, and it's going to be interesting to watch Lincoln Riley if he can coach that out of him after dealing with guys that were very mature and coming into his program where he didn't have to do a lot of that work.
1: Right, and then so who if you had to make a pick, who do you th- who are some of your Heisman front runners right now?
2: Um, well, I mean it's Trask
1: has to be one of them
2: just because of the amount of points that they're putting up, just statistically wise. Um when they yeah, get into their that is
1: what that offense is doing
2: when they get into their tougher SEC competition, we'll see how that goes. Um and then um I would have said, you know who else lost that was surprising? Mississippi State lost this week. Um yeah. I don't even remember who they were playing but um you know if if um Oh, my God, now I'm never going to be a re- remember his name from Stanford that transferred to Mississippi State that had a huge
1: week one. KJ Costello.
2: Yeah, Costello. Um, he's another guy that, you know, potentially could have been on it, but I don't know, after this week. Um, and then another good dude that's had a really good start to his season who could be a really sneaky um, 2021 draft kind of guy too is, um, I never say his last name right, Shane Buscelli. That, was, uh, that played for Texas but now plays for SMU, he is lighting it up at SMU. He's already got like 1,300 I mean, yards.
1: We got to consider Trevor Lawrence too, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely the favorite I mean, for sure. I mean,
1: yeah, I just, I don't know. I like it when you see other guys that are maybe a little bit off the beaten path. But you mentioned the one thing for Florida, even though they haven't really gotten into the the weeds of their SEC schedule yet, Uh, That team never wins in Oxford. So going to, going to Ole Miss and beating their ass is a big deal for Florida fans because that's, that's a rare occurrence.
2: Yeah. I mean, and I mean, there's dudes like Justin Fields hasn't even gotten on the field yet. So like, could he be pulled into it?
1: Um, Derek, Derek
2: King is a real good start for, for Miami too. I don't know if he'll keep that up the whole time. um, and then I guess your, your running back, you know, candidates are probably Travis Etienne and Najee Harris there.
1: Yeah. Etienne had that ridiculous run all, this weekend too against Virginia. Yeah, he's fun. He, another one where I Najee Harris has started to make us eat our words, but I really wish Etienne had come out. Yeah. Especially like given the, the way he ended last year. So whatever. Um, let's see trying to go through our our list of yeah i mean what's important to talk about just, i'm trying to be organized imagine here.
2: imagine a draft scenario for the dolphins i think right now they have like pick 3 from the texans pick um 9 i think is their own currently so they have two top 10 picks still yeah and then i think their top second round pick from the texans would be at worst like 36 as of right now um and just imagine like A first pick, what top three pick of like, I don't know. Pick pick your guy, Micah Parsons, uh, Penae Sewell, Gregory Rousseau. If people think he's going to you know blow up after a year or two of development, stuff like that. And then with nine, say you take that first receiver and say you take Waddle there, and then I again, who knows how the game of chicken's going to go for the first running back off the board, but like you've still got plenty of picks to go move back up, take another three first round picks, you know, move up to 32, 31, 30 and take ETN. Imagine ETN and waddle on the same offense. Like I'd want nothing to do with that.
1: No, that'd be awesome. I almost feel like we don't deserve that. that weird? No,
2: no, we're, we're, we're not worthy.
1: No, we're not. Uh, we didn't get any hate mail this week. Just to say, cool, we, cool. We got... maybe,
2: maybe people are feeling good.
1: No, we got some complimentary things. Somebody said, um, I don't get any compliments ever, but this one said that I have a nice radio voice. That's very nice. That's very nice for them to say. See, I I don't know. I always hear my recorded voice and I feel like I sound like a Muppet. So,
2: Dude, I'm the one that sounds like Kermit the Frog with my deviated septum and terrible speaking voice in the first place.
1: We're all struggling with our breathing issues over here. So I've i n- <laughs> I've never once thought that, by the way. But so yeah, it was complimentary. No one told us we suck. We we weren't told that we were no it alls. We didn't get any uh poor man's Wayne's world, which is the ultimate diss, and yet uh almost I like, think
2: that's a great compliment.
1: Yeah, that's that's like an awesomely bad compliment, right? It's like you don't yeah, want that, yeah. you don't want that, but you love hearing it.
2: Yeah, I mean we're we're we wanna be relatively fun you know i think i say this every few episodes but like we're not a show that we're not trying to be an analyst or very you know x's and o's you know we'll talk about some of that stuff but like the conversation we want to have on this show is like you're going to the bar and bullshitting with somebody you sat down next to at the bar like we want it to be fun we want it to be relatively normal and easy to comprehend for folks If you want something, again, when Travis used to do his own show before, he was a a Dolphins, like, legitimate guy. Like, Travis was, like, super X's and O's, which is great if you want that. But, like, again, I don't think we're shooting for that.
1: I That guy, I don't know if he slept. He worked all the time. I mean, like, that that slot he's got with the Dolphins, I mean, congratulations to him because he earned it. Because I remember thinking at one point, I was like, does this guy ever fucking sleep? I mean, it was just posts all the time. And I, was, I mean, that's I mean, that dude was on his grind. And then, I mean, if you want that kind of gig, that's what you got to do. Like, we're just slackers about it. I don't I, I've worked in media. I've done that kind of thing. And I mean, like, it was fun and everything. But to be quite honest with you, like, even when they sent me to the draft that one year and sitting in that Laramie Tunsil presser when he totally to- when he totally tossed Ole Miss under the bus and everything. I mean, that's cool, but that that's not. My idea of a good time. There are some people who live yeah. for that kind of thing. I don't get me wrong. Journalism and sports journalism, incredibly important. You need it. It's. I mean, when you're getting the facts in terms of sports and everything, especially. I mean, when you want to know more information or you want to know what's ha- why things are happening, I think that's incredible and important. But th- I was surrounded by a bunch of guys who were in there, and they just wanted to sit there and just jawed other people and sorry to say a lot of them were incredibly obnoxious and maybe i am too but i just don't want to sit in there i don't want to have to fight other people just to like be able to ask athletes questions and to be quite honest with you that is part of it too i don't want to meet my heroes and i mean like i mean i mean that term uh in terms of the cliche because i mean i don't really look up to any athletes like i did when i was a kid but i find that It is. I don't know if there's anything more disappointing than when I meet someone who, like, I've been impressed with, and find out they're a complete douchebag. I mean, that's that's a bummer, and it happens a lot. So, I mean, and also, go ahead.
2: I was gonna say, well, the good news is Keith and I have never met in person yet. We almost did when I was in California and he took a trip out there, but uh,
1: yeah, it'll
2: it'll save that for a little bit longer until you meet me in person, and then your, your hopes and dreams are
1: crushed. Mm, that's true. You're gonna have to come out to the Midwest sometime. You said you you've never done it. You've never been to Illinois, have you?
0: This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament.
1: Just go to dot No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4 3 2023.
0: Void, wherever hip Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules
1: at fritole Hello, I'm
0: Neil Patel, the editor in chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. No,
2: I, I when I drove back from California, I boogied through the Midwest and never looked back. I passed through Kansas, Missouri, and just kept on going until I got back to the Better Coast.
1: Yeah, you should have stopped here. That would have been cool. The Better Coast, stop it. The Midwest is great. <laughs> i don't don't want to hear that sure sure honestly like i mean there's it's it's true there's a i mean people think midwesterners are strange but it's funny because we think people on the coast are strange like when i went out to california it was just like being in like a different universe and i mean like everyone out there thinks it's normal and just if you're like a, a midwestern kid like myself who's lived in illinois his whole life i mean that's just i mean it seems highly odd to me but i'm sure i seemed to yeah, everyone yeah. else and looked odd too
2: yeah um, southern california was weird coming from the east coast too very very different but i mean you know the the fancy thing that you guys got in chicago is a big metal bean that i don't understand what it has to do with anything but you got one
1: <laughs> i mean yeah we have buildings and then they made Sol- <laughs> they made, they made soldier field look like a an alien toilet bowl when they were yeah. that place that's for sure I mean, I mean i don't know i'm not a city person though and i even though like it says i'm from chicago it's chicago land and chicago land's a very it, it's a vast term cuz i yeah, live yeah. i live technically in the sticks but i'm still considered mm-hmm. part of the chicagoland area i'm about 45 minutes outside of the sh- actual like chicago proper so and I hate the city. Like I do not want to yeah. go down there. I'm not a city person. I don't want to go down there and ride the, you know, public trans. Like there are people who live for that kind of lifestyle where it's like they don't even have a car. They just live downtown. And they take the train everywhere. It's it's a very millennial way of life, I realize. But it's just, I avoid the city like the plague. I don't want to go down there. It's expensive. I mean, you it's difficult. Like even to go down there and park cost a gazillion dollars no thanks oh
2: yeah yeah that's that's how they all are i mean i've i've moved back into the city even though i said i wasn't going to uh with baltimore but like i live in like the northern outer part so like it's still city and it's nice because you know i can walk out the door and walk to any food place or whatever you want um but it's not downtown and i was downtown the other day um i was looking to drop off some sort of mail for something and I was like, oh, where can I park? And it was all like fifteen dollar parking, twenty dollar parking. And I was like, I will I will just put this in the mail with a stamp and it'll get there eventually. This is yeah. ridiculous.
1: Nah, it's just not worth it. Uh yeah. do you wanna take the next 10 minutes, you wanna talk about scary movies?
2: Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, this we, we kinda teased it last time on the episode that we we haven't gotten out yet because
1: we're we're struggling with the illnesses. We we tease a lot of things we never get to though. I think that's part of the allure of this <laughs> show: th- things that will never happen. So
2: they, they they promised it, and I'm still waiting for it. Five hundred episodes later.
1: Um. Okay. So I I love this because I put this out on Twitter, and I mean I I love it when this guy re- replies to me, but I got to do it to him. Like he put Jaws on there. Jaws is not a Halloween movie, sir. Um. Especially because I like to watch Jaws fourth of july weekend to honor all those uh amityville visitors mm-hmm. who were who were eaten by that shark you know so what else did he here's
2: get? the thing so so for we're we're talking horror movies the first thing we got to get out of the way is the like typical horror movie trope of like there's usually an easy way to get out of whatever's going on everyone's just an idiot that's probably yeah, that, one of my favorite things about horror movies, though. Quite honestly,
1: yeah, that can be tough to take. And I mean, and it's been done ad nauseum. And really, it's it's something that you'll find in just about every 80s slasher film ever. So here's the sick thing: uh, even when I was, because when I was a real little kid, we had all of the the movie channels. And there was the big four at the time, so it was HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, and the Movie Channel. And so I mean. <laughs> my parents had no idea just because i mean i would just turn on the tv and one of those films would be on and i just watch it i mean it would be uncensored but the thing is like i knew it was it was fake but early on i realized that a lot of these films the appeal is that they introduce characters who are so incredibly obnoxious that you literally just cannot wait for them to die yep you know and that's a big part of it and a lot of those like friday the 13th films especially i mean it's all these guys who, i mean the middle of that series and by that i mean like movies we'll say five six seven and eight even i mean these these assholes i mean they all have mullets they're all jerks and they're they're, they look like you're incredibly irritating people and you know they're just gonna get it and i mean like yeah yeah it's it's sick to say but i mean you sit there and you're like okay i'm fine with him going i'm not gonna feel bad about it when that guy gets tossed into a wood chipper so yeah
2: i think i think like friday the 13th nightmare on elm street um halloween texas chainsaw massacre i think like all those like 70s 80s 90s kind of like i think those are probably actually still my favorite um and like a super guilty pr- pleasure is freddie versus jason it's so bad but it's oh, so funny
1: oh man we it, so we always take a, talk about the age gap here i'm obviously older than you we m- people my age waited forever for that movie to come out because they tease that whole thing at the end of uh Jason goes to hell, which mm-hmm. is part <laughs> Friday the 13th part nine. It's unbelievable how, uh, how frequently they churned out those films. So, I mean, that movie comes out in what 93 and then Freddie versus Jason is 2003. So, yeah. It's wild to think. I mean, like thinking about it now, 10 years doesn't seem like a big deal, but at the time it just felt like an eternity. Um, I asked my friend this question earlier over some of his favorite horror movies, because he's really he's super into it to the point where, I mean, he's almost obsessed with a lot of those films. He had some some movies on there that he and I are going to have to talk about because he had like Friday the 13th, part eight, like Jason goes to Manhattan. That is easily the shittiest movie in the entire series. My guy, what are you doing? Jason shops on Fifth Ave that is the thing I would would have liked that movie had that been in it but I mean the the whole story with that film is they ran out of money I think or they ran low on it so he's only in Manhattan for is it even a half hour because all I mean the, the those yeah. movies are all, are all um historically right around 90 minutes and I want to say that he's only in Manhattan for I mean the, all the shots there. And I think a lot of the shots that they supposedly got of Manhattan that weren't Times Square, I think they got those like in Vancouver or something. So if I recall right, I might be making that up, but I don't think I am. Um. So mm-hmm. that movie, that movie is so bad. So I didn't get to reply to him back yet, but I just want to be like, hey, we need to talk because why is this on here? So, I mean, you mentioned yeah. like. I mean, it, you can't really call any of these movies the OG because, I mean, they, they've been making Dracula and Frankenstein movies since the earliest, yeah. earliest period of cinema, technically. So, but in terms of what you think of as like a really scary movie, I mean, it, it's tough to explain it to, I don't want to say, I always sound like a an older person saying that, but I think kids today have been desensitized to a lot of the films that have come out that there isn't really the kind of shock value that you got with films like the exorcist or you mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like those movies hit serious nerves when they, when they came out in 73 and 74 respectively, you know, I mean, even though Jaws is in a Halloween movie, it's the same thing. I mean, like nobody had, people were afraid of the idea of being eaten by a shark, but to see, it played out dramatically like that and reveal something that is the worst nightmare of a decent amount of people in society. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's scary stuff. I mean, like just having a chainsaw used on you sounds absolutely awful. So, I yeah. mean, and the funny thing about that movie is that there's not even really that much gore in it. Like they don't really show a lot.
2: But like the thing is, is like now there's that new wave of movies like us and get out, which admittedly I have not seen yet um i'm also not a big movie theater person um i I like to watch movies where i don't have to pay nine thousand dollars for to see a movie get something to drink and a small snack um of course but that whole new wave of like us and get out and stuff like that is like a whole new level of like psychological horror um which i think is really interesting
1: i haven't seen us i have seen get out Mm-hmm. And I mean, I thought Get Out was really good. I didn't think it was as good as it was hyped to be because that movie had a serious hype train behind it. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's really good, but it's not something that I see and think, like, I need to watch it again. But I enjoyed it. So Yeah, um,
2: I, but I mean, like, and then there's that other, like... So, like, I, I feel like horror movies fall into a whole bunch of different buckets, but then there's that whole, like, uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies... Where, like, yeah. the birds and Psycho and um the man who knew too much and stuff like that, where it's like, they're not really scary, but, like, as you go through them, you're like, this is fucked up, like, and, like, this isn't too far out of the realm of possibility. Birds is probably the the most out there one that he has um out of the, the original kind of ones, but, like, Psycho and, like, the man who knew too much, like, is, this is plausible. So, like, at that time, because, I mean... When did when did um I wanna say The Man Who Knew Came Knew Too Much came out in the mid-50s somewhere? And then wasn't Psycho really early 60s?
1: I think Psycho's 1960.
2: Yeah, yeah. But like at that time frame, like that like those are super plausible. Like those are like actual really scary things. So like again, I think things fall into different buckets based on generations. So like you have those like really plausible situations that hitchcock kind of threw out there that were scary in like the 50s and 60s and then, like the 70s 80s and like into the 90s was very much the uh the uh monster freddy krueger kind of movies um that like next week of like okay they're not frankenstein but like they're still relatively plausible um and now we're again we're moving into that like realm of super plausible again but like a whole nother twist based on you know race and other social things that are going on in our world at this point too so it's it's interesting to see how horror movies movies have kind of developed um but they always try to keep that sense of like this is somewhat plausible
1: yeah I think the straight- up slasher movies are dumb I mean I enjoy watching them just for like the almost comedic value of it I think if you're talking about in terms of horror movies that scare you that you know can um trouble you (laughs) emotionally. I mean it just depends. I mean The Exorcist I think is up there for a lot of people. I'd say for me, the movie that scared the shit out of me the most and it's not even close would be the original Halloween. And but I think like you have to be a certain age and I don't know if that movie translates the uh to viewers the way that it did like because I saw that when I was 12. And I mean, like, I mean, he's still technically human. I know, like, they they tease out the thought that in future films that he might not be. But the thing is, is, I mean, you watch that movie and it doesn't, again, you, like you said, it doesn't seem outside the realm of possibility. Whereas a lot of these other films, um, you know, Friday the 13th, especially as the series go on, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's just, you know, it's a lot of gore and killing for the sake of that because it gives people, it gives its audience audience what they want and um i think another movie that's underrated in that i mean it's it's well recognized but i don't think people give it enough props in terms of how it approaches the whole psychological aspect of scaring an audience would be the first nightmare on elm street Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of stuff there like you know when he's walking down that alley and his arms are stretching out on each side and it gets to the point where he's he's able to touch the garage on each side of that alley and it's like a distance of like 30 feet and his his claws scratch i mean just things like that again i'm sure that seemed a hell of a lot scarier in 1984 than it does in 2020 if you watch it so and a lot of that stuff just hasn't aged well but i know being a kid and seeing that like there was a definite like what the hell is this aspect to that oh yeah yeah it was fun
2: what about, so like, we talked about Jaws kind of being like, not really, um it's a horror movie, but like, not in the sense, like, we're in Halloween mode, you know, a lot of the other movies come to mind first, but like, what about movies that are like, sci-fi, kind of primarily first, but then have that horror secondary role to it, like, um, two movies that I think of off the top of my head are, um another 50s movie is Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where like, that's really yeah. more like an alien invasion movie, but it's scary. Um, and then the mm-hmm. other one is also an alien movie, which is Alien. Uh, We're like oh, man. Aliens, not meant yeah. to be a horror fa- film, but like there are parts of Alien that like when I was a kid was like scary as shit.
1: Alien is absolutely a horror film like that. that the thought of being trapped in space, because I mean, you've already played to something because a lot of these films you might play on uh, someone being claustrophobic. Or, you know, that what that movie does is it puts you it's almost like a Jaws type uh, villain, right? I mean, it's something where, like, if you get anywhere near that thing, I mean, like, you're totally aft yeah, because you see what it does to its victims throughout that film. But it's also the isolation there. You're in space. There's nowhere you can go. Technically, I mean, you're on a ship. I mean, you can't get away from uh, uh, what the, what is that thing called? A xenomorph. Is it? yeah
2: yeah it's something with a z i remember
1: i think yeah z, uh, i think it's like xd and it was like a z, i think it's called like a xenomorph what that's like the proper name for the alien that first movie is crazy scary yeah especially like i mean if you watch it in the dark and everything and again like it's from 1979 so it's been around for a minute but i mean the funny thing about that is the sequel to it aliens is just sci-fi just yeah. shoot out Craziness, and you know, it, it loses that horror aspect, but it takes on new life, and that's a fun movie, too. You can make the case like that's the best sequel ever made, which seems crazy, but
2: yeah, outside and like, of
1: Godfather, like,
2: And and like I struggle to remember to differentiate between Alien and Aliens. Um, and the only thing I, that reminds me because Aliens is the one, um, and I remember this because um, it got me to pass a test that I was never going to pass in the first place in like seventh grade where there was a kid sitting in class he was like poking his pencil between his fingers and uh my my teacher was like if somebody can tell me what movie that's from i will give them an a on this test right now and my my hand like shot out i was like aliens and i was like yes no test for me i was like there you go
1: yeah that's the that's the bill paxton scene yeah you're talking about
2: but i mean a bunch of seventh graders that were born in Early '90s, you know, knowing that. Um, again, my my dad liked kind of those '80 movies and stuff like that. So, luckily, uh, we were in good shape there. Um, but the last the last kind of section that I want to ask you about is like in I want to say I don't I don't even know what movie it started with, but like in the mid 2000s, once we rolled in here, I want to say like probably the first one was 2004 with Shaun of the Dead. But like, there's that whole like comedy horror genre now of horror so like Shaun of the Dead uh, Zombieland um, I had another one in my mind but I I can't really remember but like so like have you seen those movies and like where do you fall on them in the the grand scheme of like the horror genre and like their viability to like kind of lighten up the genre and make it a little fun
1: so there are in my opinion two Sides to that, and the first side is just being a parody for the sake of being a parody, like a scary movie, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing, where you're just out for laughs. And then you mentioned something like a Shaun of the Dead or Zombieland, where it, it it's a serious movie with funny undertones.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like Shaun of the Dead. of the Dead is a little bit more over the top, just because you know, like when he's throwing his favorite favorite records out there, trying to like save his own life and everything. And I mean, it's funny because it, I remember seeing Shaun of the Dead for the first time and thinking like I didn't there were parts where I didn't know whether to laugh or not because I thought it was funny. But I was like, are they like trying to be funny with this kind of thing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Am I just a total psychopath watching this? So, I mean, they I think those movies are a lot of fun and something you can definitely watch this time of year because it's what, October 4th? I mean, yeah. Halloween is four weeks from yesterday. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah no, I mean there's, yeah, there's plenty kind of movies of out there for that, um, and I think we'll we'll potentially do a follow up on this because I want to do a, a whole conversation on that, like the the spooky kind of movies that aren't actually really scary. Um, and like I, I'm actually looking at a, a top 100 list for um, Rotten Tomatoes for horror movies, and one that easily falls on my spooky list that somehow is on this too is Frankenweenie uh the Tim Burton film. Oh yeah. Um with the where the dog comes back to life We're like definitely not scary but like good old Tim Burton nonsense. So, um maybe we'll do another conversation about that on a, a
1: show after this. I think that's where it all, it all started for Tim Burton, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so, yeah,
2: I mean, I think Tim Burton's first movie
1: was God, the first full length is uh Pee-wee. Pee-wee, yeah. Pee-wee's A uh, Big Adventure in 1985. And I think that Frank and Weenie Because Frankenweenie is a short.
2: Well, Frankenweenie... And, and, and then uh, they made it into a movie um, in 2012, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. Um, but I mean... Yeah, I mean... But he's got a, a slew of movies. Um, and and one... You know, we won't go down this path. We'll, we'll talk about it more next time. But did you know they're uh, supposedly... There is a now an announcement for Beetlejuice 2.
1: God, it's only been thirty two years. Yeah, they were able to finally get on that. That's the first movie I ever got on pay per view, by the way. And most people are like, "What's what's pay per view?" Because <laughs> that's even we've we, it's what on demand is now. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think back it's, in the time because that movie. That, Yeah, from the late 80s. And I remember like I would have babysitters and everything and like you needed a touchstone phone. All of the rules that they had at the time seemed so absurd in hindsight, just based on where we are in terms of technology. But at the time in the late 80s, like if you wanted that, you would just call that, you would call a number and then you would order that movie. And that was the first one I ever got was Beelders. That's still a great film. I could spend an entire show talking about that, that film. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think his first two besides Pee Wee um his first two like really like tim burton movies were beetlejuice and um scissorhands
1: yeah which is probably one of my top five all-time favorite movies edward scissorhands oh, actually yeah
2: we'll, we'll get into this next show though because we're, we're already running long, and i could talk about this for a whole nother damn hour here
1: i was, I was gonna say if i'm if i'm not upstairs to watch Shit's creek in like five minutes like i'm not i'm not came you kill me yeah you're <laughs> fired so, um, you know, we'll, we got all month to talk about this. This is the first show of October. We can sit here and just indulge and listen to ourselves talk about stuff we want to hear. Sorry, guys.
2: Yeah. So uh, but in the mean, maybe next week we'll talk some of this and uh, maybe we'll be talking some to time next week.
1: Yeah, you n- never know. <laughs> I also the one thing I, I want to discuss before we go in like the span of like 90 seconds, because we were talking about. How uh, New Jersey inspired or they filmed the first uh, Friday the 13th in New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, Had- Haddonfield, which I- in Halloween yep. is Haddonfield, Illinois. The name Haddonfield actually comes from New Jersey. Yep. I didn't know that until semi recently.
2: Yeah, Jer- Jersey's a spooky place.
1: So the funny thing about Halloween is uh, the neighborhood in that film, all the houses that you see in that neighborhood look a lot like the neighborhood I grew up nice. in where my parents still live and everything so like that definitely and I used to like walk home at night
2: extra fast and like
1: especially like around that around that time of year yeah it was a brisk walk because <laughs> there are a, a bunch of times where that, the homes look just like it the funny thing though is that that film was made in California yeah. so if you look all the cars have California license plates on them yeah so you know if if you're if you're all about um the uh the overall vibe and everything just ignore that for the sake of continuity but yeah that's um all those homes look like exactly where where i grew up so they definitely hit that right on the head also the fact that john carpenter really because i know he's a musician too he comes up with some of like the scariest ass soundtracks you could imagine
2: yeah yeah i mean we'll we'll talk about that when we talk um um tim burton stuff too because of um danny elfman uh danny elfman is like grade a spooky movie songwriter
1: yeah which is funny because he had no experience scoring films he was an oingo boingo you know that's the funny (laughs) thing funny thing about that a lot of people don't realize that i mean he's he's you know writing writing songs for the soundtrack for weird science and then four years later he's doing the the batman score which is still to this day freaking epic
2: yeah oh yeah
1: you know and a lot of a lot of those sounds are you know permanently ingrained in my my brain from having seen that movie so many times as a kid all that's to say we'll get to that we got plenty of time to talk about that stuff uh in the meantime my name is keith uh for zach thank you for joining us and listening to us talk about all this We love this month, so we'll use it to indulge in our own interests and partially yours too, maybe. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.
2: Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person.
1: When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then, in
2: that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts...